You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, sometimes, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. And today, our Chief Strategy Officer, Tristra New Year Jaeger, and I are roaming around the streets and lobbies of South by Southwest. This is going to be a great episode because we're just going to go up to people in the music tech space and uh, spring an interview on them. And uh, I'm hoping we can meet up with some folks like Soundwide, Barefoot Media. I saw Cliff Fluet. I wonder if we can catch up with him. Beethoven. You know what? I think I'll sit down with uh, Mark Miller, the head of LabelCoin, who we partnered with uh, this year to do some cool stuff at South by Southwest. Let's go out to the street and see who we find. Colin. Hey, Colin. Hey, is that you, Colin? What's up, man? It is indeed me, Colin Ramsey. What are, you're with uh, Forecast, right? Yes, correct. Uh, what, what do you do there and what is it? So Forecast is a music tech startup. We have a piece of tech called the MVP, which makes running time-synced video and lights for live touring artists a lot more uh, simple and affordable. It's like an actual box, right? It's not just software alone. It is actually a box, and I have one here in my uh, utility pants that I just <laughs> pulled, pulled out of. Yeah, that, that looks cool. Okay, it's very small. It's like, it's like the, the width of a coaster and maybe four coasters thick very small yeah about three three or four inches by three or four inches super lightweight fits in the palm of your hand throw it in a bag and uh, you're good to go what are these plugs here so the way the mvp works is it essentially listens to midi signal either from an ableton session uh your playback session or from any hardware controller and it triggers uh video clips or lighting cues based on that input so you've got a usb uh, that can take midi in and then it outputs uh video to hdmi and lights a DMX signal over ArtNet, which is basically like an Ethernet um, port. So it's like an interface between your computer and your video. Yeah, so for mo most artists using it, if they already have existing playback session, uh, they just run a, a MIDI track out with a couple MIDI notes penciled uh, corresponding to the video clips or lighting cues that they want to sync with their session. Uh, they plug that into the MVP and then out to their lighting package or their uh, screen or projector and then everything kind of works from there. You don't have to worry about it. Awesome. So how's South By been for you? It's uh, been great. A little exhausting. I'm powering through the last day today and then I fly out tomorrow evening, but I'm going to just take it easy and catch up with my friend that I'm staying with. What is the? What are one or two highlights that you've had so far? Oh man, one or two highlights putting me on the spot. Okay. How about this? What did you come to South By for? So I came uh, prim primarily for meetings, uh, and I will say I, I knew this was, would happen, but it always you know, ends up being even, even more than you think, where you can you know, lay all your plans and have your schedule all dialed in, and then, and then you get there, and then everything falls apart, and you know, you're kind of just rolling with it. So I, I feel shameful admitting that uh, the first day I was here, I didn't even see any music because I just got caught up in meetings and mixers and happy hours and, and things like that. So I caught a little bit of music uh, yesterday, had some great hangs, met up with the Sony Japan folks. Uh, today I'm trying to, to see a little bit more music. So I just came from the BMI brunch, uh, which is always great. Uh, and then later today, I'm going to go try to catch some of the Wasserman showcase and see Danielle Ponder, who I was. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. And I, I caught a few songs of her yesterday. She was playing a different party and then I had to jet. So I made sure to put it on my calendar to go back and, and catch the rest of her set today. Uh, and then I'm going to go try to see Big Frida later at the Mid-Citizen party. Um, he's always fun. Uh, and then Bombing Tiger, I think, is, is the other one. And then, that, that sounds great. And then late night, I got to push through into the late night hours for uh, Toki Monsters having a sort of club club night. Your calendar sounds awesome. I wish I could stay longer and, and go to everything you're going to or hoping to go to. Yeah, but you're probably getting more sleep than me. So. I, I don't know, man. It's been rough. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of sessions or business or even topics, are there any topics that are on your mind in the industry while you're at South By? Anything you were hoping to get more info on, or is it mostly just biz dev? You're looking for management companies and artists and stuff to, to try out the MVP. Yeah, a lot of biz dev, but uh, you know, I always say that the, the biz dev stuff kind of cuts both ways, because you know, for me, this is an opportunity to meet with people on the ground, 
uh, that are the end users for our tech, but also get feedback from them. Um, you know, this tech was built on the road, on the stage for artists solving a problem. Uh, so we really try to listen to what they need and see how we can help them. So it, it's always fun for me to, you know, talk to different people. And on the one hand, it'll be, you know, an artist who tours by themselves and wants to use it. And then yesterday I ran into a guy who does, uh, you know, video walls and production for stages all around South by in Austin. And, you know, he wants to put our tech in all his different venues. So. Um, kind of just seeing where people pop out of the woodworks and, and how we might sort of help them achieve what they're they're trying to um, uh, you know the show they're trying to put on is it's cool the product is called MVP which is kind of an interesting name we call the, the music tectonics podcast an MVP minimum viable podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because we always joke about the name and everyone always asks what it stands for and um, I think I can say, Human, who is the founder and CTO of the company, who was gracious enough to bring me on to, to help with the business side, uh, you know, he's been working on this for, for seven years now, and it originally was MVP in the sort of most valuable player sense, because it's really like a workhorse you can just kind of fit into anywhere in your setup, and it, it does its job well. Um, but the more we've gotten towards launch and, uh, you know, operating in tech and VC circles, everyone assumes minimum viable product, and I have to you know, caution people away from that because, no, this is a working piece of hardware that, you know, has been out on the road with a bunch of artists and, and all over the world. Um, but at the end of the day, we say it's, you know, it's whatever you want to want it to uh, stand for. Some Someone said the other day, oh, does that stand for MIDI video player? I was like, sure. Yeah. If you want it to. I mean, it does that. So Colin Ramsey with Forecast. That's the number four C-A-S-T dot com, right? Uh, Forecast.world. Dot world. Okay. Yeah, we gotta be a little a little different and unique forecast.world is there anything else you want to shout out if people want to check it out no if you go to our website we uh, just launched our pre-order that will redirect you to the pre-order page um, like I said we've had this out with a number of artists but we're now pivoting towards a public launch so you can pre-order now to ship later this year and uh, you know you'll find all our socials and everything there but um, forecast world on Instagram Twitter Facebook shoot us a message we're always uh, interested in hearing from artists and their teams and figuring out ways we can help them Got it. Forecast, the number four, C-A-S-T dot world. Hey, Colin, great catching up with you. Enjoy this last uh, little bit of South By. Yeah, thanks for uh, pulling me off the street. Oh, hey, hey, Dave. Dave, is that you? Yes, it's me. Oh, uh, hey, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dave Godowski, and I do artists and industry relations at Soundwide, which is Native Instruments and Isotope and Plugin Alliance. Nice. Dave, man, I don't know if I've seen you at South By in years. What, what are you doing at South By? I'm basically just here to meet with people, uh, people in and around the music industry. I used to come here all the time when I did A&R and management. Uh, and now that I'm in this part of the music space, um, in the past it wasn't as important to be here. But uh, as things have changed and the tech world has exploded, uh, now, there's just people I want to see, and they're all in one place at one time. Awesome. Uh, have you seen anything cool, whether it's a, a panel or had a conversation in the hallway or, or a band? I saw this band Model Actress, Model slash A-C-T-R-I-Z, that were uh, really cool. It was, and it was one of those pure, unexpected old school South by Southwest discovery moments. Those are the, those are the best moments. Where'd you catch them? At Mohawk, the Brooklyn Vegan Party at Mohawk. What kind of music do they make? It's kind of punk, punk hardcore type thing. It was sort of like if if uh, if Death Grips were fronted by Connor Oberst or something. I don't know. That's probably a bad way to describe it, but in the moment, that's kind of the vibe I was getting. Uh, what's the vibe you're getting of South by this year? What's it seem like to you? It seems better than previous years. I haven't been in like five years. And the last time I was here, I wasn't that into it. And it kind of felt like it kind of jumped the shark or whatever. And um, But I really, the, the thing that made me come back this year was just people. Just I, I heard from so many people who said, actually, I'm going to be there this year. And... Um, and then there's just that group mentality, that FOMO thing of like, well, if all these people are there, I really would love to catch up with all them. Maybe I should go too. Probably enough people had that same thing happen, and now we're all here. 
Are there any topics on your mind in the work that you do that, that you were hoping to talk about, hear about, and, uh, and have, have they come up yet? I've been pretty keen on, on kind of re, uh, re-acclimating myself into the label world. I used to work pretty closely and with labels. I used to work at Rounder and Concord and Partisan, and as a result of that, knew a lot of the other labels. But and then things changed over the past five years since I moved out of that world. That I, I feel like I've lost touch with a lot of them. So one goal for me being here was just to have some meetings and introduce myself or reintroduce myself to label folks. Do they know what you do and and who you are and how you fit into the ecosystem? Some of them more than others. It's funny, like, and it's like this in general in the music industry and in, in music industry in terms of managers and labels and publishers and like, a lot of these folks they'll hear Native Instruments or Isotope and just be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is, this must just be some little startup or you know they don't know. And then usually somebody standing near them like an artist or a producer will grab them and be like, are you kidding me? No, no, this is actually a big deal. Like the, and then they're shocked when they find out, you know, we have 600 people working at the company and it's used on like every record and film in the world, like how prevalent it actually is. And I kind of think that's a goal for me is, is trying to avoid that happening and just trying to bridge that gap and have more awareness. So, um, yeah, there, there isn't such a rift between how prevalent these, th- this company is in the actual music world and, and how known it is like in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, that's what Music Tectonics, the podcast, the conference are about, are, is this convergence of the traditional recording industry and this whole creative instrument world, uh, all the ways in which people make music and so forth. But I'm curious for you, why is it important for record labels and managers to know you guys? I mean, the artists are going to pick the tools, right? And they're going to be your customers. But why, why does their team or their ecosystem matter for your work? I think it's really important, especially when you look at the history of music the history of labels, the history of A&R, it used to be a lot more tightly knit, you know? Like, A&R people used to be producers and songwriters. You know, when you look back, whatever, music in the 60s and 70s, the Rolling Stones and the Who and the Beatles and all these rock bands, they all had A&R guys that were, like, producers. Um, And even after that, you know, uh, yeah, just... Quincy Jones, and uh, you can go on and on naming all the legends uh, in the label world oftentimes were writers and producers. And so much of that is lost today, especially in the sort of TikTok era of A&R. Not that that's all anyone is doing, but I think it would be nice to at least move the needle a little bit back to A&R understanding the production process and at least having a a tighter relationship awesome hey dave i'm so glad i ran into you i hope the rest of your south by is awesome anything else you're going to check out before you leave um more coffee (laughs) awesome all right see you later dave see you dimitri thank you So you got a little bit of a taste of what we're doing here, running around the streets and uh, venues at South by Southwest. We actually sat down a little bit longer with Mark Miller, the CEO and founder of LabelCoin. Let's go over to that right now. Hey, it's Dimitri with Music Tectonics. I'm here at South by Southwest and something kind of interesting happened last night. I was at a show of a band called Dawson Hollow uh, they're all five siblings. They harmonize genetically perfectly. Um, you've got, you know, regular setup plus fiddle in there. And uh, people were loving it. Really cool band. Definitely check them out. But in the middle of their set, they were like, this next song, if you want to invest in it, just take out the label coin app and you can invest in our song. And I was like, that has that ever happened ever before anywhere on any stage? And here we are at South by Southwest. And I was like, well, let me find out about this app, LabelCoin. Uh, so I'm here with the CEO founder, Mark Miller of LabelCoin. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, Dimitri. Going awesome. You guys were kind of like the, the event here at South by this year. <laughs> Man, it's been wild and truly an honor. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, you, you took over this place called Bangers and did programming all day, uh, mixers in the evening, and then showcases. And these artists were, like I said, um, I guess you can invest in the artists. Is that the deal? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's just a few days ago that we launched the beta version of our app after building for two years. And so we got to kind of pick, handpick like our favorite acts that we've been working with to build this over the past year, you know, especially like getting their input, finding out what features work best for them, making sure we're covering all the bases. And so, um, you know, really felt like a family you know, getting to finally bring it to the world. So it was great. People were there were all sorts of people were coming in and out of that uh, out of that uh, venue as well. So, but what does that mean if if this band is playing and all the bands I think that played were on are on Label Coin? What does that mean? Somebody literally from the dance floor can invest in a song? What, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so we've made it possible for artists, labels to be able to sell their master streaming royalties to fans so that then when those streams come in, the fans are actually earning that as dividends. I mean, it's such a different, it was just, I think what struck me is it's such a different ask being on stage to say that versus come to the merch table. And obviously in America, people don't say tip us either, but here there's a way to sort of like engage financially with artists that you're enjoying while you've got a drink, while you're dancing, while you're falling in love and you pull out your phone and have this mobile-like experience. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I, I was an artist for 10 years. And like the, the norm, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, is we're used to always having to beg people and always ask them for, please support us. <laughs> like we need help, we're starving, we're trying to pay our bills. Please, any, any way you can, you know, we do it through Kickstarters, through Patreon, through tip jars. Hopefully someone buys our merch. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's not really fun for the artist. It's, it's really hard for, I mean, even fans get totally fatigued from it, even the, the most generous. Um, and so, when it came up of, of a way to be able to actually have a mutually beneficial win, where it's like, hey, this benefits the artist now, but also this can be a, a great investment asset for the average fan and let them be a part of this in, in a new way that's really partnered, like you're, you're owning part of their career. You know, that's what got us really excited. And so um, it's, it's really neat to be, see people like you get to actually experience it. So just, just so we're clear on the technicalities of this, um, you know, traditionally, Publishers, our artists will will have publishers involved with helping them monetize the compositions and songs, um, and labels to to monetize the recordings and do the marketing and, and things like that as well. In this case, and those publishers will sometimes ch change hands, right? Somebody might sell the rights of a certain catalog of songs to another publisher, or there might be a publishing administrator. Well, to be clear, this is not about selling the publishing rights, is it? Uh, not at this time, though we do plan to expand into that in the near future. What, so what exactly is it? What are, what, are, what are you investing in if it's not the actual rights of the song? So technically, it's the master digital streaming revenue share. <laughs> and so basically what that's saying is, we, is they're, they're buying the rights to earn that revenue, but not the master itself. And that was really important to make that distinction because, you know, as, as you know, if, if you're an artist and you want to get your song synced anywhere, everybody who owns it has to sign off on it and say, yes, this is an appropriate use of this song. You know, and so that's not tenable if you've got a thousand people invested in your song. No one's going to sync that. And so we had to come up with a way to be able to um, let people benefit from the profit without actually taking away what the artist can do. So as they say in the financial industry, this is a new asset class. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got it. So that's so you kind of have to wrap your if you finally got your head wrapped around how rights work in the music industry. Now you have to wrap your head around the fact that there's this almost abstracted class now. Yeah, which is really fun, right? Because like if you've invested before, say into Apple or Ford or whatnot, there's nothing you can really do to increase the value of your stock. But with music, there actually is. You know, because by one, just by streaming it yourself, but two, by sharing it with your friends, getting it around there, bringing them to shows and letting them experience it, you can actually raise the value of your asset, which is crazy. That, that is crazy. I hadn't thought of that. That's a trip. I guess you can pass articles around about how good your stock companies are doing. <laughs> yeah, maybe being an advocate for Apple. I mean, sure, yeah. I've seen people do it. Got it. So now, what were you doing before this? How did you, you mentioned you were an artist. How did you get from there to here? <laughs> It's a wild journey, like like just how life goes, right? Um, and it all seems like play. It seems like a crazy, like winding road until you look back at like, 20 years later. And you're like, wow, that was actually like 
pretty much a straight line that, that it all had to come into place that, because like I started as an artist I didn't know anything about what I was doing I just knew I was supposed to do it and so out of college I was playing you know small house shows and venues and barely surviving working at a recording studio part-time then I, I met my wife and I, I think I've shared this story before but on our honeymoon she told me she wanted to quit her job and join me in music full-time and I said okay that's great a and b we need a new business plan <laughs> so then we discovered the college market um, with NACA, APCA, you know, went to all those conferences, about 50 of them I think I've been to at this point. Um, and we were able to build up a business to where we were earning, you know, $120,000 a year, you know, by 2015. And we're like, hey, this is great. We're doing it. Like we're, we're able to pay bills and, you know, buy a townhome in Nashville and, and all this. And, uh, and then we had our second child and just felt really strong that like we were supposed to get off the road and help other people do what we did. Like now that we, we figured it out so to speak, how can we help people that are way more talented than us, <laughs> have with way higher ceilings, be able to succeed? And so we started an artist agency in the college space. Um, and a lot of people off of The Voice, American Idol, you know, uh, and some of the artists that were there on the showcase, including Dawson Hollow, were actually signed to that agency. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and, um, and I, was just, I was just shocked to discover that these people that had way bigger followings than us, like my wife and I never had more than 3,000 followers, right? But like these people that had way more notoriety, were way more talented, that we were out earning almost all of them, and most of them had second and third jobs. I'm just like, they're just like, this is stupid, right? And so, you know, by 2019, we were blessed enough to um, be voted the, the college agency of the year by all the colleges. And, you know, we had our artists that year won the awards like band of the year, entertainer of the year, female artist of the year. And um, 2020 is supposed to be our first profitable year ever as the agency, you know? And they're like, hey, this is, this is awesome, here we go. And then we all know what happened in 2020. Um, and so it was then that I met my co-founder, Chad Peterson. And so Chad uh, was an ex-Wall uh, Street investment banker and VC analyst. And so he, he actually was on Wall Street in 2008. Uh, another pivotal moment in history when the stock market crashed and millions of people lost tons of money, but the Wall Street people especially were devastated. So he lost his job along with a lot of his friends and he started a nonprofit uh, called the Wall Street Exodus. When he took, he took 12 execs that uh, lost their jobs down to Haiti for a year to help build up communities and like teach people how to do small businesses in Haiti. Amazing. Right? Like really, really cool. And from that uh, point on, he pretty much was mostly in nonprofit work from that point. And so, um, so fast forward, he's living in Nashville um, and doing like sports clinics and things like that there. He used to play football for Michigan, University of Michigan. I gotcha. Yeah, and so that was kind of his world. And, and sees what happens with 2020 in Music City. He's like, man, I don't know much about music, but this looks a whole lot like Wall Street 2008, but for music. And, um, and so he's like, well, I don't know how to help, but I can start a nonprofit. So he started one called Hope 20. Now Hope Ford, and they got a large grant from the government, and then just trying to figure out how best to to utilize that and serve artists. And so a, a mutual friend connected us and said, "Hey, Mark can help you help artists." And um, we got to help him some with what he was doing, which was really really cool. And um, as we started progressing more and more towards the end of that, we're like, "Hey, how do we not just help artists survive this period, pay their bills, have groceries, you know, and get through, but actually thrive on the other end?" And that's when he shared this idea initially for sports, um, you know, trying to think of how can you look at, because minor league sports are very similar to, to, to music, right? Because uh, it's, you're working really, really hard in the minor league or you're super talented, and, but you're making pennies. And then you get signed, you get enough to your, your major deal, and all of a sudden you're boom, right? But it's that top 1% again. There's nothing in between. Yeah, exactly. And so he's like, what, what would, so initially they were thinking, how can we figure out what an athlete could make, bring it forward and let people invest in it as a suite of, you know, athletes and, and then have a new way for them to be able to survive through this. And he said, would this work for music? Uh, and my wheels is like, I was like, boom, like, holy cow, this is crazy. Like what an idea. And so I just thought about it more and I'm like, okay, Chad, what if, what if we focus specifically on songs, making songs investable, and utilize blockchain technology and what's going on in this space? And talking about how, the, how the, that winding river that goes into the straight road, like I was um, under our artist agency when we were trying to do some pivots and things, we started a VR company under an esports division to try to create like contactless experiences that bring people together with virtuality escape rooms. And so I... That's cool. Right? It, it, was, it was really fun and wild, and I was nerding out on it for sure. But like... Um, because of that, I had a, bought a ton of 
high, like high level gaming computers, which it turns out they can also mine crypto really well. <laughs> so I started mining crypto and, and really diving into that whole you know, blockchain space and getting to know all the different projects in Web3. And, and now, that, now that I got this crypto, where should I invest it and how should I do it? And started really learning pretty deeply on that. And so when, when Chad presented his idea, uh, it was like, oh, this is a perfect use case that this is what it's built for, that all of a sudden we have this that, that is what we need for this kind of project. And so when I presented that, that idea to him, he's like, well, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about either of those things, but if you do, then let's go. I mean, I love that we were 10 minutes into this conversation before you even mentioned crypto. <laughs> I mean, it's like, um, it, has to be, it has to make sense on all, all areas around, right? And, and you have to use crypto for what it's really meant for as a utility, not just like because there's money there or some kind of idea and try to reverse engineer some way to you know, capitalize on it, but what is it really built and meant for? And so we don't advertise it widely because most people aren't ready to really learn how to use a MetaMask wallet, a 12 seed phrase, anything like that. So we use it on the right now on the back end, kind of more web 2.5, if you, if you will, to where we're using it for what it's meant for, but the average user has no idea they're using crypto or, or blockchain. So, as far as, do you call them fans or investors? Um, you know, kind of both. Song holders is kind of their, their official title, but yes. <laughs> so so they, they're opening a mobile app, and they're looking for songs maybe that they've heard, or they're just perusing to see what's on there, and then they do this whole transaction with a credit card? Uh, yeah, credit card, bank transfer. There's, there's different avenues to do it. Um, but what's, what's cool is that they actually can see in there what kind of return to expect. And we felt like that um, fan education was really important because they have no idea how much money is really made in music. If you have a million streams, they think you're like banking hard, right? We're really four to $5,000, you know, you're doing well. And um, so we put in there streaming analytics so that they can see one, of course, how well that artist is doing as a whole, what are their monthly listeners or they're trending, um, how many streams that song has, and then how many streams at this price point would it take for them to get, say, a 10% return? If they want to get a dollar a year from their $10, okay, it's got to have 500,000 streams. And then they can say, do I think it will get that? And so helping them make more realistic expectations and investments. Cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about your South by experience. We will be right back. Shaylee here. Join me online April 5th 2023 for Meet the Innovators of NAM, a free online event. Whether you're going to NAM or not, find out where the innovation is happening in music gear. Get sneak peek demos of five of the most innovative music making tools and toys from Innovate at NAM and the MIDI Association Innovation Awards finalists. That's April 5th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. UK time. Register for free and learn about our next Seismic Activity online events at musictectonics.com. See you there. Now back to the show. We're going to get back to the Mark Miller interview in just a minute, but let's go to uh, Tristra and see who she's talking to. Hi, uh, I'm Mansoor Ahmed Khan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Beethoven.ai. We are an AI music startup uh, which serves content creators to make original music for background uh, music of videos, podcasts, and games. Uh, Yeah. What do you think a major epicenter of music tech right now is? What are you particularly excited about? So being from the space of AI, I'm really excited about the possibilities that lie ahead in front of us uh, and the role that AI is going to play in music industry as a whole. Uh, And I believe the strongest epicenter right now is artificial intelligence in music. (laughs) Not not surprising. And what's one challenge or question you wish we could solve so that music and tech could play better together? I think right now the biggest discussion is around the copyrights aspect of AI music. Uh, I think the answer lies in the collaboration between the traditional players and the new startups that are coming out emerging in the space and uh, I really want to see you know how that problem gets solved in a quickest amount of time <laughs> thank you thank you introduce yourself hi there I'm Mihai Monescu and I'm a part of the Ovid team uh, Ovid is a global software technology that uh, you know helps uh, live event organizers uh, set up their events and do some economy in it so basically sell tickets NFT tickets and live shopping technology for brands that want to you know go live and sell their products online what is what do you think the center of 
at the epicenter of music tech is right now? At the epicenter of music tech, in my opinion, is the Web3 uh, mm -hmm. evolution, so going towards NFT ticketing. And uh, this is uh, what we're doing at Ovid, and we think that this will change the way uh, the music industry works because the ticket uh, is not going to be uh, only a ticket. It will be an, a gate to experiences. Uh, you can pack things into it, into the ticket. You can have benefits. You can have like VIP meetings with the artists. So it kind of gets you that community feeling and the place where artists will really get to connect real time with their audiences. Awesome. And what's the challenge we should solve? The challenge we should solve is try to be more decentralized, try to own the event more. I mean, use uh, you know software technology to uh, sell your own tickets. Uh, you do your promotion for your events, so obviously, you know, why not get all the money from that? Try to be creative uh, and try to use this amazing technology that is growing on your side because technology shouldn't scare you, but it should be an enabler. So, you know, just uh, ask yourself not why, but why not? Okay, I'm back here with Mark Miller, the founder and CEO of LabelCoin, which has kind of had the place to be at South by Southwest on Rainy Street this week. And uh, how has your South by experience been? Obviously, you've been running a two-day activation, so I know you've been super busy. You guys had panels, you had showcases, you had booths, you had partners with booths, you had a... Uh, a, a podcasting studio. I probably should have done this there, but I, I, it was just last night when I saw Dawson Hollow that I was like, oh no, I got to talk to this guy now. Um, but what, what's your South by experience been like so far? Unbelievable. I mean, I mean I'm almost speechless with <laughs> how it's been. Um, it, was, it was really amazing because like South by brings together so many innovative minds who have been serving artists for a long time and also trying to figure out these problems that we're all trying to solve. We all know it's here, right? We've been struggling with it for many years. And, um, and so to bring those minds together, to see them interact, to see what's happening with the, the solutions, the problem solving, and to see, I feel like there's a new level of selflessness where people are starting to really say, how do I, instead of just trying to, to maintain what they've got, hold on to it tightly, it's kind of like, okay, let's see, how can, I, how can we just help each other? And together, without trying to make sure we're getting our best deal, um, how do we just help this whole ecosystem rise as a whole? And I feel like we saw that happening all in conversations all over the venue um, and the panels, which were just in incredible. Like, um, I mean, it was, just, it was just humbling to get to help facilitate that space for all these like brilliant minds. I'm just like, wow, what, what, you, what you've done and what you're doing, like just blow my mind. And the fact that you're here talking with this person over here, we can all learn together and grow. And I think the future is really, really bright for music. Awesome, cool. Speaking of the future, so you launched now here at South by LabelCoin. It's it's out there in the public. People can now make these investments. You've got some artists already on the platform. Um, I guess the next phase is to get more artists and more of these song holders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're excited. And, and there's been so many great conversations. We expect to bring on a lot of labels, you know, post this. But um, both artist labels and our manager, you know, they can all sign up on our website. Um, and we would love to start onboarding them into what we're doing. And what will, what, what do you think is going to happen at this point? Like, um, it, 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 I guess it'll be a new revenue stream for those artists. It'll also be a new rev revenue stream for fans slash investors. Yeah. I mean, our, our mission is to end artist poverty, you know, as a whole. And it's like, what, what will happen if you're, say, an artist who's making, let's say, $20,000 a year off your royalties. So you're getting some pretty good traction, right? Um, but that's not enough to live. And you're, you're still probably working another job or unless you're getting touring revenue or different things that you're doing, it's, it's not enough, but you're fairly successful. But what would happen if you say, uh, sell half of that worth 10 years and all of a sudden you're getting a hundred thousand dollar base salary, you know, that changes everything for an artist. And, and that's really where we see this going. You see that tens of thousands of artists able to make a living to quit their second jobs and to really get to do what they're meant to do, which is, yeah, create the soundtracks to our lives. And then it has that multiplying effect. Like if they can do it full time, they can also market it. They can tour more. They can do those things that increase the streams and the revenue, not only for themselves, but also for the people that have invested in it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's so exciting. So how do you go about onboarding more artists? Uh, yeah. So we've got our, our awesome artist onboarding team. So they'll probably be talking to Deshaun, Edward, you know, some of those people that are in charge of that process. Uh, we help them with their valuation to, to figure out like, okay, what's based on your history and trajectory and things happening in your we use a discounted cash flow model as the basis, but then there's a whole lot of factors that go into that, right? And a lot of intangibles too. So we have our own multiplier that goes on top of that discounted cash flow 
and then we work with the artists to figure out what value do they want to come in at that feels good. And ultimately, then they get to, you know, the fans will decide if they think that's a good value. We also have um, where artists can come in and test the waters first, which is oddly enough a legal term. Like who knew? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with uh, with Reg A plus and Reg CF so from the Jobs Act, that's what we utilize to to make these songs register securities. And um, so they can test the waters before they even have to go through and and, pro and guarantee that their songs are going to be sold and go through the full legal process and, and all the costs associated on our side too. So um, by doing that, um, they pick the general value. People can go through, see their analytics on, on our app, and they can reserve shares. And when they reserve those shares, then the artist can see how many people are interested in buying at this. They can see how much is wanting to be purchased. And then when they go through that process, then all those people that reserve shares will be notified, hey, the song listing is live. If anything's changed, here's the changes. Do you want to confirm or change your order? And so it's a, it's a great way for artists to kind of test it out without risk um, and, and also just to see if they're, make sure they're in the right valuation. That's super cool. I mean, you could get a lot of, I mean, I've seen these like different apps and platforms around like pre-sale of tickets. And then once there's enough tickets sold, somebody can book the venue. <laughs> and this is like without actually having the tour either. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. I love seeing those people, what they're doing. It's brilliant. Um, very cool. So it's too early to really say, um, what are some examples of success stories, but maybe a year from today, maybe at South by, or whenever it happens, we have to have you back on the podcast. So you can tell us like some artists whose, whose lives have been changed by this new, uh, this new style of fan engagement, investment, uh, monetization, et cetera, and see, see what that looks like. But that's going to be super, super interesting to see as well. So, um, this has been a great launch for label coin here at South by Southwest. What's next for you guys? What do you, are there more events coming up? Up, or are you building more product or is it really about um, getting both sides of the market onto the platform? Yeah, I mean, there's so much happening in parallel at like all times. Um, of course, after this, we'll be working on formalizing all the partnerships, all the, the, the great things that we've had going on here, really onboarding the labels, working on integrations with uh, other partners that make it easier for artists to be artists and fans to engage. Um, but then we have a, a very robust roadmap uh, and a lot of problems we want to solve. So, I mean, from, from here, like the next thing's on the, on the plate, um, curated collections, which are song mutual funds. So oh, that's so cool. I just, my mind just got blown. Right. And, and what's really exciting about that, like from the beginning, we thought, um, we don't want to disrupt this field. You know, it's more of an inflection point. Like how do we come into this and look at the best interest of everybody involved in music? That's, of course, the artist and the fan, but it's also the music industry. It's people like the distributors. It's people like the playlisters, you know, the, the, the influencers. All these people have, have a stake in it, but many of them aren't earning much either. And so how do we do that? And so, so the song Mutual Funds, um, it, we're going to allow anyone to be a curator. Initially, it's going to be some selections while we're testing it out. But the curator who puts those songs together earns 5% of the royalties that are from what's invested in their fund. And as a fan, it's great because like, hey, Demetria, you have great taste in music. You know it's going to break. Um, I'll put my, instead of putting my 100 bucks into a song, I'll put it into your fund and, and trust that I'm really hedging my bets that, hey, some of those songs are going to really blow up. That's great. I could imagine not only playlisters, but music journalists and DJs and other artists wanting to curate. So basically, you're, you're able to monetize your curation, your, your discovery, your human discovery of music and help become like you're curating a mutual fund, like you said. So like you're, you're helping people find the stuff to invest in, but partly through taste. Exactly. So that's that's coming in the future. That's that's super awesome. You know, you've mentioned the label partnerships. Um, what what do the label what do the label relationships look like with LabelCoin? It's pretty much if the artist doesn't have the masters, you're doing these deals with labels. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We have to work with whoever has the masters. And so you imagine labels bringing on like their whole catalog. Uh, we would love to see that. Uh, you know, some have said they want to do like parts of the catalog first, and some and and people that are that artists that are really on board. With the, especially with the Web3 space. Some people get kind of scared off by Web3, um, and some of them are really into it. But pretty much once they understand what the concept of LabelCoin is really, it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. Because for a label, it's like they they're very much operate like a VC. You know, you have 20, 20 companies, quote-unquote, that are artists, that, and you hope that maybe one or two of those actually become super profitable, and you're going to lose money on the rest after you invest tons and, and lose for years. So what happens if you can actually have way more of those people become profitable and much sooner 
and get a way more engaged fan base of super fans that are pushing that forward. You know, so it's it's great for kind of a win-win all the way around. Awesome. All right, we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about other things we should be paying attention to. We'll be right back. Eleanor here. You know that Music Tectonics is made by the music innovation PR firm Rock Paper Scissors, but we rarely get to talk about our work on the show. That changes now. Tristra and I staged our Rock Paper Scissors takeover. We took off the Music Tectonics hats and put on our Rock Paper Scissors hats to share what we've learned over years of helping innovators in artificial intelligence speak human and earn great media coverage. Look for that episode wherever you get your podcasts and find bonus content on the RPS website. That is at rockpaperscissors.biz. That's B-I-Z. Look for downloads on the resources page. Just give us your email address and we'll send you our full conversation on Speak Human for AI Innovators. We'll send it to you as an audio file and as a transcript. Okay, Mark, like I said before the break, I want to ask you, you know, we've talked about label coins, super interested to watch your progress, see how this uh, post launches and what comes next. But also curious just from what you're looking at, because you're both in the music space, you've been in the live space, you're also in the crypto and Web3 space. What do you see coming down the pike that you're keeping an eye on? What trends are you interested in? And if you want to name drop some startups or some thought leaders in the space, we always love to expand our network on music tectonics. So where's your head at in the bigger picture? Oh man, there's so much amazing stuff happening. I mean, like everybody else right now, AI, the possibilities, we're all just like, it's it's mind blowing. When you think about just from even marketing standpoints and how to utilize that as a tool, you know, for what you can do as an artist, looking at how you're managing your financing. And like there's, there's right now financial applications being built, you know, for, you can give it, here's my books, you know, go ahead and tell me my analytics, tell me what I should be doing, where did I miss stuff? Like that kind of stuff that takes it off of an artist completely. You know, like the, the top 1% of artists aren't the most talented. They're the, the people that are best at music business or they have a team that are, right? And, and so there's so many amazing acts that, that burn out because they can't make it that three to five years till they have a profit and they have no idea how to do all this stuff. And it's a drain and why should they? They should be making music. And, and so I think that, that AI is gonna start freeing up a lot of that space and, and tools and also make it cheaper for people that know how to use it well. Now you're not talking about AI for making music, you're talking about AI for analytics to understand where you need to apply your, your business. Oh yeah, and just to take off like all the stuff that you need to do as an artist, you know, that you're not good at. And like, okay, now I've got this AI assistant <laughs> that can can handle this for me. Now I think it's AI is going to come into production. There's no doubt about that, you know. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, look at you go back ten years and you used to kind of mock somebody who was on stage with just like like tracks, right? They kind of like, are they serious? Like, where's the band, you know? Um, but now it's like. It's so fresh. You have amazing performances, and you're totally cool with just seeing a singer and a DJ. And, and people have gotten so used to the, the samples and to all the programming that's being done. And it makes this huge full sound, and it's so much easier. And it's like, that's, that's tech advancing in a very short time. You know, I think we're going to get there, too, where it's like, I had a professor that used to say, if it sounds right, it is right. It doesn't matter how you got it. So if, if you use autotune, that's fine. You know, if, if you use these different tools, it's fine. Is it connecting? Is it getting across what you're doing and connecting with the human spirit? And if it is, awesome. So AI is going to do that too, for sure. So speaking of professors, are there any thought leaders, any outlets that you read, any podcasts? Where do you go to get inspiration, whether it's specifically keeping track of trends in the music industry or you seem like a big picture thinker. Even if it's bigger than that, that's cool too. Where do you go for knowledge and inspiration? It's, that's a hard thing to answer because um, it's all around, right? Like I love asking questions of everyone I meet. Because there's so much, there's so much brilliance, you know, and, and so um, I, I pick up a piece here and a piece here and start putting it all together, and it's just like in our industry and even, I mean, at Bangers where we were, there's 500 people that each one of them um, has something that I could, that, I mean, way more than something, you know, hundreds of things that I could learn and apply to what I'm doing. So just by asking questions around me and saying. Like Dimitri. <laughs> you know, as a parent, uh, for some reason, there's a Sesame Street Big Bird quote. Um, Big Bird would say, asking questions is a good way to find things out. 
<laughs> so, but um, and also it reminds me, Clayton Christensen, the the writer of the Innovator's Dilemma, had this follow up book called The Innovator's DNA, and and he said all innovation actually there's nothing new. Everything that's all the carbon that's in the world is already here. So anytime we create something new, it's actually taking seemingly unrelated things and putting them together. And he said that that's the first skill of an innovator and the rest of the characteristics are how do you find those other things, those disparate things. And one of the big other characteristics is, is asking questions. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Mark, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the Music Tectonics Podcast. I guess technically we came to South by. This has been cool. You guys had such a great event. Uh, I've been hearing about it from everybody. Everyone that showed up was like, that's a highlight of the event. You did such a great job, and I'm so excited to see where LabelCoin goes next um, following your journey. So come back on the show again soon. Love to you. Thank you, Dimitri. I'm glad I got a longer sit down with Mark from LabelCoin. We have a couple more interviews we took on the streets and in the venues at South by Southwest. Let's go to the next one. Hey, Cliff, what's up? Hey, Dimitri, how are you doing? I can't believe it. South by Southwest, you run into everybody. Cliff Fluet, you are an advisor at 11. You're an attorney with Lewis Silken, a partner there. What the heck? Have you ever, have you ever even been to South by? Young man, I, my first South by Southwest was in 1996. What? I was in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're the same age, actually. How's it going? How's your South by going? It's been great. I've been here a whole week. Um, here a week, try the chicken. Um, but it's been great. It's been tiring. It's been exhilarating. Um, a real change from last year, as you know. Numbers are up. Lots more companies around. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's good to see a little bit of a bounce back coming. Hopefully next year is going to be even stronger. Why, why do you come to South by? What are you doing here? I often say that if I was told I could only ever go to one conference, it would be South by Southwest. South by Southwest would be the only one that I would go simply as a delegate. Everyone's here. Yeah, definitely. You want to say real quick for folks that haven't met you yet, what exactly do you do? So um, I'm a lawyer by training, but I identify as legal curious. So um, I spent many years at a label and a broadcaster as general counsel. And now I split my time between being a partner at a law firm head of media entertainment, focusing on digital media, and I run an advisory firm where I advise boards and founders on digital strategy. So if Cliff's around, there's some good stuff happening. Keep an eye on this guy. He's at conferences and uh, just see what he's up to. He's got great clients. Uh, so Cliff, have there been any highlights yet of South By for you? Well, um, from a music perspective, um, I've found the music has been great. British Music Embassy, the, I've just been blown away by the acts that they've seen, but also around. But a real thrill was seeing um, New Order at Moody's on Monday night. The sound, it was just incredible. Just, just incredible. That's great. And uh, what about topics? Are there any topics that's on everybody's mind here? Anything that uh, you, you were hoping to come away talking to people about or anything that, that, that's popped up onto your radar from that perspective? Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I mean, very much like what we all do as a day job. You can see that the programming was set four or five months ago because oh, totally. everyone, everyone was talking about the metaverse then and now it's a little bit colder in the metaverse. Yeah. But of course, there's no digital worlds is going nowhere. Digital value is going nowhere. And really what we're having is a bit of a reset, which frankly, the tourists can leave the building and now we can focus on the work. Um, what is interesting is generative AI. Um, I first started advising a company in generative AI and music in 2012. Um, and... It's nice not to have to explain what it is to people anymore. Um, but at the moment, just in terms of people thinking, is this a thing? Is this going to change everything? And of course, the fairly infinite, if you haven't been freaked out by what's coming yet, then you haven't understood it, is probably the the best line of South by Southwest. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, while I've got you on the mic, I can get some free advice here. What are the concerns about AI? What are the, what are the top concerns as it relates to music, and how are we going to navigate them? Yeah, well, again, um, being, again, I would say almost as old as you, Dimitri, um, <laughs> this is the conversation that we had in 1996, which was, oh, wow, what's the internet going to mean for copyright? And then what's social going to mean for copyright? And what's mobile going to mean for copyright? Copyright's not going anywhere, guys. The real question is, is how are people going to use it? What's the value proposition? How are you going to be able to do that? If you're building a large language model based upon other people's copyrights, lawyer up. If, as now we're looking, is a move from generative AI to compositive AI, getting AI to understand moods, discovery, personalization, and also when and if the industry can get its shit together to put a licensing in place, we all stand to make a lot more money. But if we're just going to sit back and try and stop it, 
it'll go like the first few years of the internet did for the music industry again. It'll go like for the first few years of UGC for the industry again. So there's kind of two pieces, like there's this, this complementary AI, this stuff that's actually just helpful for that metadata and for discovery and all those kinds of things. And then on the generative side, there's this concern about copyright. Is there ever going to be a way in which uh, the reference material that gets used for training AI can be tracked and or licensed and or monetized? Is that even possible once it's been mashed up in so many ways? Well, again, I mean, you know, a lot of people thinking this could be a blockchain use. You can see that in relation to language models because, you know, how they've managed to understand it. Really, there's an opportunity here to really build licensing models fast. If you build licensing models fast for these AI companies, they'll pay you. If you haven't got a license that they can get, they're not going to pay you. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty basic economics there. One last thing on this topic, and I've wanted to ask somebody this for a really long time. I may have even mentioned it on one of our podcasts. It's my understanding that when blank cassettes were being sold, there was a type of uh, license that those manufacturers had to pay because those cassettes were being used to make... Mixtapes in the early days yeah, before they were tape levy. Yeah, is that a real thing? Did that did that yeah, actually exist? Yeah, yeah, it, it existed um, throughout the EU. Um, the UK never pulled it up because it was seen um, that it was the, but uh, <laughs> like much of the continent, it was seen as collaborating with the enemy. But they made a shit ton of money, and you know, for many many years, one of the largest things that phone companies had to pay was the levy that had to be played on any blank disc media. So it started on tapes, and it's even on hard drives. Mm. And every hard drive that was sold, X amount was done. A highly pragmatic way of being able to deal with it. This is the thing. I am seen as a copyright denialist by some. I'm not. I'm a licensing absolutist. If you can create a way that people can get paid, they will take it. Or, as some of my colleagues do in the legal, if you're still arguing the percentage of a, uh, uh, the proportion of a mechanical and a download and a performance in a stream, you've already lost the argument. Build a model to get paid. Mic drop. That is Cliff Fluet on the streets of South by Southwest. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.